Well, good evening. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church. We're going to start with number 447, Higher Ground. Number 447, we'll sing the first, the second, and the last. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's stable land. A higher plane that I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay, where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's stable land. A higher plane that I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And the last, I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane that I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Well, good evening. As Zachary said, welcome to our evening service here at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, Connecticut. We're uh, privileged to have you with us tonight. I hope you're looking forward to hearing from God's Word tonight. We've already sung and we'll continue to sing. Uh, if possible, I hope you'll sing along with us at home. Let's worship together uh, and be in, in the Bible together tonight, but let's also pray together. Let's take a moment now and bow our heads, please. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the God who you are. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're a God, Father, who loves us so much that you did send your only begotten Son to die in my place, to take the punishment of my sin upon himself, who allowed his uh, body to be broken, his blood to be shed, and who died for me, who was buried and who rose again the third day. And of course, Father, we thank you that we have the privilege uh, a week from now to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Lord, a resurrection that proved that you were satisfied with the sacrifice that was made for our sin. Uh, Lord, a resurrection that proved that your way to provide for our sin, our forgiveness, our eternal life uh, is true. It's the one true way. That way is Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for that certainty tonight. Now, Lord, I pray that as we uh, continue to sing and spend time together in your word, that uh, your people would be lifted up, Lord, that our hearts would be lifted up to you. Uh, Father, uh, we may be struggling tonight. Uh, I'm struggling, uh, missing uh, church family. Lord, I pray you lift up our hearts as we bow them before you. And Lord, that you place a joy in our hearts tonight, uh, a joy that's regardless of our trial, our circumstances, the situation that we're in now, Lord, I thank you that we're in Christ and we have a great hope because of that. Uh, Lord, work in our hearts tonight for your honor and your glory, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, we'll take our hymnals again and turn to number 226. Number 226, we'll sing All Your Anxiety, the first, second, and last. find peace at the mercy seat. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. Amen. We're going to turn right over to number 641. Number 641, we'll sing the first, the second, and the last of all that thrills my soul, the first, second, and last. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine? True and tender, pure and precious, oh, how blessed you call him mine. All that thrills my soul is Jesus, he is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. Love of Christ so freely given, Grace of God beyond degree, mercy higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus, he is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand, in my blessed Lord I see, and the last 
by the crystal flowing river with the ransomed I will sing and forever and forever praise and glorify the King all that thrills my soul is Jesus he is more than life to me and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. All right, I trust you sang along at home, you worshiped with us, and we're ready to jump back into uh, God's Word tonight. Please take your Bible. Uh, in our church, we use the King James Bible. Uh, lots of reasons for that, but take whatever Bible you have tonight, please. Uh, we'll be here tonight back in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter uh, to the church that he had founded there at Corinth. Uh, tonight, we'll, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin, well, I should say I want to continue. Uh, this will be part two, the final part of uh, a two-part series, a two-part message that we began this morning. So, uh, this morning we saw a, a number of things here, but I tried to bring out uh, primarily the idea that in Christ, uh, Paul was able to find patience and strength and power, all that he needed to continue ministering to people, uh, even when those people weren't being the best people, even when they were acting like uh, many of them, the immature, carnal Christians that they were, uh, Paul did not allow that to be an occasion for or an excuse for just kind of washing his hands of them and leaving them behind and angrily moving on. He recognized that when people were acting like immature uh, young believers, that's because that's what they were. They needed to be encouraged. Uh, they needed to be taught and encouraged. They needed to be lovingly corrected. Uh, and so uh, in this morning's message, we saw, I encouraged us, that when uh, fellow believers are being bad, uh, or even being bad to us, don't let that be an occasion for anger. Don't let it be an occasion to walk away from them. Let it be a prompt, a cue, that I need to invest in that person. I need to lovingly exhort them, correct them, encourage them. So I want to jump back into our passage. I'll read, uh, I'll reread three verses that we saw in our last message uh, this morning, and then we'll make several more observations uh, here tonight. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 19, uh, the Bible says this. Please uh, follow along with me. Uh, Paul says to the church members there at Corinth, he says, Again, uh, think ye that we excuse or, or defend ourselves unto you. Uh, we, he says, we speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. He says in verse 20 this, For I fear, uh, he was concerned, he says, lest when I come, uh, I shall not find you such as I would, uh, or such as he would desire. He says, and that uh, I shall uh, be found unto you such as ye would not. Uh, he was concerned that there would be uh, debating and envying and wraths and strife and uh, strifes and backbitings and whisperings, swellings, uh, tumults, a church very much divided, a church very much at each other's throats. 
He says in verse 21, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and that I shall bewail uh, or mourn many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness uh, which they have committed. So tonight we see again, Paul uh, was willing to continue ministering to that church uh, despite their bad behavior toward him and despite all of the concerns he had about how he might find that church when he next arrived there uh, in person. He was faithful despite those things. He found patience and strength and power in Christ uh, to not turn away from them, but to continue to engage them, to exhort them, to encourage their growth in their walk with Christ. So tonight again, we see part two of our message titled, Remaining Faithful to Minister in the Face of Difficulties. Uh, said difficulties can include difficult believers. Let's stop and pray and we'll jump back into this passage. Uh, bow your head with me if you would please. Father, I thank you so much tonight for our church, for our church family. Lord, I thank you tonight to the best of my knowledge, we're a church that's decently united. Uh, we're not a church, as far as I know, that is at uh, each other's throats. Uh, we may be tempted at times to gossip. Lord, you know, and I pray that you would help us to that, that not be the case, that you would encourage a, a great unity in our church. Father, I pray tonight that whether or not that is the case, Lord, that you give us a heart, that you give us patience and strength to continue investing in each other's growth, to, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, uh, to share your words uh, lovingly, uh, Lord, in a way that's easy to be entreated, in a way that's easy to be received. Father Paul's example is wonderful, uh, but Lord, it's an example that we'll need your strength and grace to take and apply to our own lives. Lord, I pray tonight, if uh, this trial that we're in now uh, drags on, if it's extended, and Lord, we're, we're tempted to get frustrated and our, our patience becomes short, Lord, that you'd help us to take up these thy words, the principles that we see here, and Lord, by your strength, help us to apply these things to our interaction with each other. Father, I pray that uh, frustrations and, and short tempers that, that may uh, come as, as this trial that we are in now uh, continues, Lord, that it not be an opportunity for the devil uh, to fracture, uh, to divide us, uh, to uh, come in and, and discourage the unity of our church. Lord, I pray tonight that you would protect our relationships with each other uh, and that you would protect the unity of our church corporately. Father, help me now uh, as I bring your words tonight. I most definitely need your help. Lord, thank you for the privilege to bring your words tonight. I pray each one now uh, would receive them with the heart to apply them. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, permit me just to very quickly review the things that we saw this morning. I know sometimes when you hear the pastor say, oh, I'm going to review, you kind of check out mentally. You say, oh, I've got this down already. I, I don't need to pay attention. But, but do please 
uh, do re review with me very, very quickly. Review is important to uh, learning things. We, we need to hear things more than once to kind of get it in there. Uh, so Lord, help us to do this. Help us to pay attention and uh, get these principles uh, 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 embedded into our brain now. So we saw this morning, uh, first, uh, Paul was able to remain faithful to minister uh, to difficult people at that church in Corinth because uh, what was it? He found patience and power uh, in the Lord. He didn't find it in himself. He found that in his walk with Christ. Uh, he found that from the Holy Spirit who indwelled him uh, and able to demonstrate, enabled him to demonstrate patience uh, through the power of God, not through the power of himself. And uh, we saw, we were reminded that trials grow our patience. We saw that God's word, uh, Romans 15 and verse 4, encourages our patience. And that was very evident in Paul's life and his testimony to the church there and in his uh, patient continuance of his ministry toward the difficult people there. Uh, secondly, very quickly this morning, we saw Paul remain faithful to minister to that church, which included people who were carnal and immature, uh, despite being falsely accused of having wrong motives. He, uh, he didn't let their uh, accusations derail them. He didn't let their accusations be an occasion for anger uh, and to write them off and, and, and just move on. And of course, uh, we need to take care as well. If we're wrongly accused or uh, someone thinks something wrong about us, don't let that be an occasion to write that person off, to stop investing them. Go to them, work it out, talk it through, uh, get some help uh, if you need to do that. Uh, certainly, I'm available uh, if you're a member of this church. Uh, thirdly, quickly, we saw this morning uh, in our last message, Paul remained faithful to keep ministering to others uh, difficult people included, even if it meant spending himself, uh, using himself up to do that. He was willing, like you might spend out of a wallet to uh, help someone, to encourage someone. He was willing to start spending of himself and even to spend himself, to use himself up completely uh, like a parent investing in a child, if that's what it took to encourage growth. And then lastly, number four this morning, we saw that Paul remained faithful to serve, to minister to those people, even the difficult ones, uh, even though the love that he demonstrated to them was not returned uh, in kind by all of them. He said uh, in verse 15, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. The more I love you, that seems like the less you show me love in return. And let's just be reminded this morning, uh, the Lord, the Father, God the Father, there we go, God the Father, John 3, 16, he loved us so much before we were even saved that he sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. That's a, a wonderful, uh, altruistic, godly, agape love. We need to be reminded this morning that Lord calls us to love, to demonstrate love, uh, not to get back, just to love because God has said. Of course, he'll reward us in heaven, but uh, we don't demonstrate love uh, with the hope of getting back necessarily. We just do it in the Lord's power, in his strength, because he has commanded us uh, to do just that. So that's what we saw this morning. Now let's just jump in uh, and keep moving here. I want to give you four more points. Uh, I'll try to be as, as succinct and as quick as I can tonight. Uh, so uh, moving on now, 
Uh, we see here that one of the reasons that Paul could keep on lovingly ministering uh, to difficult people in an immature church, uh, even when they failed to demonstrate any love back to Paul, uh, even when they didn't minister back to him, is that Paul understood that he was actually serving the Lord uh, who loves us unconditionally uh, and continually. So let's make that number five tonight. Uh, Paul, uh, he remained faithful to minister even to difficult people. He was able to do that because he understood that in doing that, by doing that, he was actually serving the Lord uh, more than he was serving those difficult folks. I'm going to stop there and pray again, and we'll continue. Father, help us uh, tonight to get these things down. Lord, give us a heart to receive these words, to get them written down, to learn them, uh, these principles. Lord, I pray the next time we're, we're dealing with someone who's, who's being difficult or immature uh, or offensive in, in some way, Lord, that we'd, we'd not just get angry at them and write them off and move away and uh, not, not desire to uh, encourage and to invest in them, but Lord, that we would continue on uh, recognizing these various things, remembering these things, most certainly including your commands and the fact that when we continue to invest in others, Lord, we're serving you, we're obeying you, we're pleasing you, uh, and we're serving you by doing that. Help us now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, uh, amen. See verse 19, uh, this is where this, this um, principle comes from. Of course, we're looking for, we're mining out biblical principles, things that we actually see uh, in God's words, not just things that seem like, oh, they might be good ideas, this might be a way to encourage someone to be good to someone else, uh, not things that we could dream up in, in our minds or through some uh, process of creativity. Uh, what we want to see is what the Bible actually says uh, and then how we can understand and apply that in our lives, in our relationships with each other. So uh, verse 19, the first part, Paul says, again, he says, think ye, do you all think that uh, we excuse or defend ourselves unto you? Grammatically, it's you all, members of the church back there at Corinth. Uh, do you think that my number one thing is to defend myself to you? Uh, he's, not, he's not being unkind to them. He wants them to understand what he says next. He, uh, he answers his own question. He says, we speak before God in Christ. Uh, what he wanted them to understand is that uh, there was a sense in which he might have been accountable uh, to them uh, as, as, the, as the apostle who planted their church, but more importantly, uh, Paul recognized that he was accountable to the Lord to keep on ministering to people uh, as God had called them to, despite the fact that they acted like immature little brats at times. Uh, God had called Paul not just to plant that church, but to, to uh, disciple uh, them, uh, to visit them and encourage them to write these inspired letters, uh, to continue to invest himself knowing that as he did that, yes, there was a sense, a very clear sense, a practical sense in which he was serving the, the bad, immature people in that church. But more importantly, Brother Ray, he was serving God. He was serving God when he did that. Listen, you can go on if something is hard, when no one's showing love back to you, when you bear in mind that in doing that, you're serving God. Who, who demonstrates love to us, who has done that, who is doing that, who will continue doing that no matter what. 
Uh, I mentioned in the last message, and, and God will reward us no matter what. If you're investing in someone's life, uh, spiritual things, pouring spiritual things and encouragement into someone's life, and you're not getting anything back from them, remember the Lord will reward us in eternity uh, for that. We serve him. Yes, there's a sense in which we're called to each other, but Paul understood that in the end, most importantly, he was serving God. Uh, he was serving God. So, Lord, we, we pray tonight that you would help us to, to keep that in mind, to remember that our ultimate motive in investing in growing other people, encouraging the correction and growth of fellow church members, uh, there's a practical sense, and uh, our motive is to see them grow, but ultimately, Lord, we're serving you. Help us, Father, uh, to keep that in mind. When someone is acting terribly immaturely, uh, I was unkind in calling that person an immature little brat, but when someone is acting immaturely, Lord, help us to just continue serving you uh, and helping them. Uh, Father, we, we can always find love and grace and patience and power and strength in you uh, to do that. So uh, let's move on. The next thing we see here tonight, the next thing we see, uh, it's number six in our two-part message, uh, number two tonight, I guess, but uh, we'll see here uh, in the next part of verse 19 that Paul was able to keep ministering to difficult people. He was able to keep going in the face of difficulties because he did actually have a heart to encourage the growth of those difficult people. Now, we've been talking to that goal, uh, that purpose in Paul's ministry all the way through uh, these six points in, in these two messages. Uh, I've been uh, talking to the fact that Paul was willing to continue investing in, in the lives of difficult, immature people so that they would grow. But once you see this, uh, second part of verse 9, he says, he says to them, we do all things. He says, but we do all things. So he recognized he was serving God, but he says in verse 9, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. He was serving the Lord by lovingly encouraging them despite the fact that they were difficult, but practically speaking, he, he was serving God by serving them and encouraging their growth. He says, we do all things Dearly beloved. Note the loving language. He calls them dearly beloved. He has a heart for them, uh, a heart, a concern for them, a Holy Spirit-fueled uh, loving concern for them. Uh, not that they would continue to be immature, but they would be built up, that they would have an ever stronger foundation uh, and that they would build on that foundation and grow up to become strong, mature Christians who would lovingly encourage each other uh, and lovingly encourage those outside the church as well, no doubt. So uh, the point here is simply this. Paul had to have a heart to do that. Yes, he was serving the Lord in whatever God called him to do for that church and for those people, but he had to actually have a heart to encourage the growth of other believers even when they were being bad. I want to stop there and ask you tonight, do you have a heart to encourage the growth of fellow believers? Do you have a heart to pray for fellow believers that they would grow in their walk with Christ? 
Do you have a heart to reach out to people and ask them how they're doing? Share from your heart how you're doing. What struggles are you having uh, with the quarantine, with the whole situation that we're in? Ask them how they're doing. Uh, if they describe some worry or fear or anxiety, be prepared with a verse that's been helpful to you. Uh, have, have some verses at the ready or, or, or have a reference at the ready where you can look up some verses and uh, share them over the phone. They won't even know. They won't be able to see that you're looking it up as you go. Don't be dishonest, certainly. I'm being a little bit silly, but you understand uh, what I'm saying tonight. I would encourage you also, if you can't honestly say tonight that you have a heart, you yourself personally have a heart to encourage the growth of brothers and sisters in Christ, you really need to stop and ask God for that. If you can't honestly say tonight, Pastor, I have a heart to encourage the growth of brothers and sisters in my church, and you know what? That heart has led me to reach out and to try to be a help, to try to be an encouragement, uh, to try to be the water and fertilizer that encourages growth. If you can't point to examples of that, you really need to stop tonight and say, Lord, I could say whatever I want, but there's not examples of that in my life. There's nothing that I could point to recently that would uh, lend credence to my claim that I have this heart. So stop and ask the Lord to give you a heart, to really give you a heart to be a spiritual encouragement, to be one who would lovingly correct from God's word, to be one that would teach, look for those teachable moments, those casual teachable moments, look for opportunities to encourage, look for opportunities to share God's words in a way that would be helpful to people at the time when they need that. Pray and say, God, give me that heart. Paul had that heart even though people were being terrible to him. God, give me a heart like that. Stop and think for a moment. Stop and think for a moment. Imagine that you had a, a garden. Uh, imagine you had a garden and uh, imagine getting mad at your vegetables, Zachary. Did you ever get mad at your vegetables? You didn't want to eat them when you were little, right? Imagine getting mad at your vegetables because they didn't grow fast enough for your liking. Uh, Brother Ray, imagine getting mad at the vegetables in your garden because they weren't growing fast enough for your liking. So you get so mad at them that you start, you say, I'll get you vegetables. So you start withholding water and you start withholding fertilizer and you stop pulling the weeds out all around them. What happens when you do that? Well, the growth just, it'll never have an opportunity to continue, right? Uh, they'll begin to wither and die off. They, they certainly wouldn't grow if you withhold the things that they need to grow because you're angry. Now, that, that of course, is a, is a silly illustration, but I think you get the point. Paul did not get angry and stop feeding the people in that church. He let their anger be a cue to keep, he let, the, I'm sorry, their, uh, their bad behavior be a cue, as I've said before, uh, to keep feeding them to keep watering them with the things of God, to keep fertilizing them with, with the words of God to encourage their growth. Don't get angry and withhold the things that people need uh, to grow. We need to be in the business of giving people what they need. By the way, that's not just the pastor's responsibility. 
we have that obligation to each other as fellow church members. Well, let's move on here tonight. Uh, what, about, what about a situation where you've done all that you can do uh, to encourage someone, to correct them, to encourage their growth? You've been watering them and fertilizing them, and uh, you're encouraged that it's just not enough. Well, Paul, Paul had that same concern. Uh, he had that same fear, and he wrote to them about it. He told them. He, he said, listen, uh, in verse 20, he says, uh, I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. I fear that when I get back to Corinth, when God allows that, I'm not going to find you individuals doing right and growing and having grown and continuing to grow. And, and because of that, I fear the church is going to be a mess. He said, and, and I... I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. He says, lest there be, and he, he paints out some specific concerns uh, that he had for the church there, and it, and it really comes down to their relationships with each other. Uh, he was concerned that there, was a, there would be an ongoing, immature, carnal pridefulness that, that just... Uh, swelled up the church and, and caused the whole thing to kind of blow up uh, in the face of, of this explosive pridefulness. He says that he feared that there would be uh, debates, contentions, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swelling, uh, tumults, uh, all of that stuff despite the fact that he has continued to invest in them in the face of their bad behavior toward him. Once you get this tonight, if you haven't already, number seven in our two-part message is uh, Paul remained faithful to the, minister to these folks despite his concern that he would find them uh, immaturely uh, attacking one another. He continued on despite his concern that what he had offered them, what he could personally offer, just wasn't enough. Uh, listen, what we can personally offer often isn't enough. Uh, we need to pray that God would work uh, beyond uh, the limit to our own personal influence. We need to trust that God hears prayers and answers them. We need to trust in the power of God's words. Uh, when you're trying to encourage someone's growth, the, the best water, the best fertilizer, it's God's words. You have to deliver them, but God's words are, are the living, powerful uh, words that can actually affect change uh, in a heart that needs to grow. But I want you to see here the concerns uh, that Paul had. Let's just make sure quickly that we, we understand the concerns he had. He was concerned that because they hadn't grown yet the way they should, that there would be all kinds of division and strife in the church. And uh, he has this concern, these, these eight words that he uses because he understood that their lack of growth had consequences. Uh, when church members are not growing, there's consequences personally, but there's also consequences corporately. Stop and ask yourself tonight. Uh, we're going to ask ourselves here, here in the room tonight. You ask yourself at home now, am I growing? Do I have a heart to grow? Am I content with my growth as a believer, am I content with my walk with Christ? 
Am I so holy? Am I so mature as a Christian that the Lord might just call me home right now because I've got nowhere else to go? I'm just, I'm all set. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, Lord, help us to not be content with our growth. Now, God's called us to be content with his provision, but I do not think it's a spiritually healthy thing to ever be content with your growth in Christ. We need to keep going forward. We need to keep growing uh, in our walk with the Lord. And if we don't, there's personal consequences and there's corporate consequences. Again, these eight words here are the corporate consequences uh, that Paul was concerned about. Uh, let's look at them one at a time very quickly. Uh, number one, he says debates. These are strong contentions, arguments. He was concerned that because they weren't growing the way they should have, that there would be all kinds of arguing in the church. Uh, maybe because they weren't allowing the word of God to be the basis uh, for deciding what was truth or the basis for how their church should be organized and how their church should function and how they should settle disagreements amongst themselves. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they decided that uh, they would all just do their own thing, not, not focusing on what God had laid down in his words. He was concerned that because they weren't growing and walking and uh, learning to be humble, as Paul had, that there'd be arguments, debates, uh, envyings, number two, uh, that we see here in verse 20. Uh, that word literally has the idea of heat. Uh, he, he was concerned that there would be this hot jealousy uh, between, between the members, uh, this, uh, hot relationships, uh, a, a heat, a heated arguments, and heated jealousy, a sinful jealousy. He was concerned that there would be wraths, uh, number three, uh, this word literally pictures uh, angry, uh, hard breathing. It has the idea of someone just getting so angry that all they can do is, is breathe hard uh, like a bull that's about to come uh, tearing at someone. That kind of a wrath, that kind of an anger. Listen, if you will deal with problems, uh, if, if you will commit yourself to prayerfully, biblically resolving difficulties with other church members before they get to that point, before you're ready to come at someone like a raging bull, uh, you will have done a good thing. Uh, we need to be people who are in the business of dealing with problems when they're relatively small so that they don't grow into relatively greater crises. Uh, we need to be growing as believers in order to uh, learn to do that well. Paul was concerned, uh, number five, about backbitings. This word has the idea of defaming or speaking evil against each other. Uh, he was concerned about whisperings. And of course, this, this has the idea of secret gossip, talking uh, sinfully behind someone's back. Gossip is a cancer in churches, and it needs to be weeded out. It, it cannot be tolerated. Uh, it will take over. It will sap our energy, our strength. It will it will accomplish no good ever at all. Uh, take great care. Stop and just pray a silent prayer right now. Lord, help me not to be a person who would gossip, and Lord, help me to be a person who will not be willing to hear gossip. If someone comes with a juicy this, that, or the other thing, uh, you can patiently, uh, you can lovingly say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure I want to have that conversation. Not, no, I, I'm not sure. I love you, but I don't want to hear the gossip. You can reject that in a kind, loving way. Paul was concerned about swellings, uh, number seven in, in verse 20. 
Uh, Pridefulness, getting swelled up, getting puffed up. Listen, if you're not being humbled, uh, a big part of growth is being humbled, recognizing that life is not about us, recognizing that life is about the Lord and others and not about me, recognizing that life is not about uh, feeding my lustful uh, fleshly desires. Rather, it's about serving the Lord uh, by meeting the practical and spiritual needs of others. Uh, if we're not in that business, as we saw this morning, uh, we're probably feeding our pride. Uh, we're, we're, foc- we're continuing to focus upon ourselves. We're, we're swelling up with a self-focus rather than a, a Christ-centeredness in our lives. And all of this points to the last word here, number eight, tumults. All of these things would add up. If you added up uh, all of these things, uh, they would equal number eight, tumults, general disorder, commotion, uh, confusion. Uh, there's just a lack of, of humble, biblical approaches to problems in the church that, that just has everything out of whack uh, and everything in disorder. Paul understood that if people were not growing, if they weren't becoming less self-focused and becoming more savior-focused, if they weren't learning biblical principles and praying for God's grace to apply them to their life and their interaction with each other, that the devil would jump in, uh, ride that train right into the church and uh, crash that train right, right into the middle of the congregation and cause this kind of disorder. The devil is looking uh, for this kind of opportunity. Uh, Paul understood that if the people would not grow, uh, if the more mature members would not encourage the less mature members to grow, uh, when he came, he was going to find something that would look like a civil war. Uh, a civil war where uh, brother and sister come at each other, father and son come at each other, sister and sister uh, come at each other, rather than finding a godly, Christ-honoring, biblical unity, uh, an e pluribus unum, out of one many, he would find uh, chaos uh, in a church that was not at all able to function as one body with one accord, to accomplish the purpose that the Lord have given them. So we need to understand tonight, we need to take great care to stand against that kind of divisions. We need to be a people who commit and recommit ourselves to encouraging each other's growth, not letting uh, annoyances, grievances, uh, small things divide us, open up cracks that become larger fissures uh, and eventually break us apart. We need to stand against that, uh, especially now. Uh, We often talk of the mission of our church. Of course, that's carrying out the Great Commission, but we must not lose sight of the things that we need to accomplish that mission. And certainly one of the most important things is a godly biblical unity. Uh, We'll need to have that. Uh, When we come back together, we're still going to need that. We need to preserve that now, uh, and we need to to have it now and and when we come back together. Uh, We need to refuse to gossip or hear gossip, especially now. We need to pray for the growing unity of our church uh, and that there be a great and perfected unity in our church 
And listen, we can have that. We, that can be preserved in the face of all the, the, the tumult <laughs> that's going on in the world tonight, uh, this, this tremendous trial that we're in, and it is a trial. We can grow through this trial. We have time to learn and grow, many of us. We have time to invest in prayer and being in the Bible and watching and listening to messages and learning and growing and taking what we've learned and investing that into the lives of people who need to learn and grow, fellow church members and others. Lord, help us to recommit ourselves to just that. Now, let's see the last point here tonight and we'll be done. Uh, number eight in our two-part message, number four in tonight's message, if you prefer, uh, Paul remained faithful to uh, invest himself to minister to others, including difficult people, uh, despite, despite his concern uh, that some had not and would not repent of sin. Uh, see verse 21, he says, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you and that I shall bewail or mourn. Uh, that word bewail has the idea of mourning, uh, not the time of day, but uh, being sad at something. Uh, I shall bewail or mourn many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have uh, committed. Now, he's, he's speaking specifically to uh, sexual uh, sin, sin of a sexual nature in the church, uncleanness and fornication, lasciviousness, but uh, he was concerned uh, in general that there would be people in the church there who who had, had not repented of sin, who didn't seem to have any heart to do so, uh, what would he do? Well, he, uh, he, would, he, he feared that when he got there that he'd, be, he'd just have to mourn that. He, he had such a heart for them if they, and, and a heart for the Lord also, of course, that if he came and found them continuing in sin, they'd be caught up in mourning that sin. And uh, Paul didn't want to find that, of course. He wanted to find them um, having received uh, correction through his letters uh, which is correction from the Lord, and having repented uh, before he even arrived. Uh, some were saved. Many, many people, of course, were saved in the church. There wouldn't have been a church otherwise. Uh, but either continued in the sin of their old lives or uh, evidently had allowed themselves to give in to temptation after they were saved. Uh, others, uh, others perhaps had just continued in sin, that they brought into the church when they were saved, um, but Paul would he would not allow he would not allow this. Forgive me. He would not allow that to be again to be an occasion to get fed up with the people uh, and just uh, wash his hands of them and move on. He would he would mourn the sin. Uh, the Bible teaches us to be angry at sin. Uh, there there should be a sadness at sin in the lives of others. Uh, by the way, if you hate sin and, and, and you, you uh, have a sadness at sin in your own life and the lives of others, uh, you'll be encouraged to do something about that. Don't get comfortable with sin. Uh, don't be content with sin. Uh, don't make friends with sin. Don't get cozy with it. Uh, it grieves the Spirit of God who indwells us. It grieves the Spirit of God 
who indwells us. I do not want to be in the business of grieving my Lord, and I'm sure you do not either. Don't get comfortable with sin. Don't allow yourself to think this sin is okay or that sin is okay. Uh, the minute you decide this little sin is okay or these little sins are okay, you get more comfortable with the medium-sized sins and more comfortable with the big sins. Don't get comfortable with sin in your life. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not comfortable with it. It grieves him, and we should not be comfortable with it either. Uh, Paul was concerned that he would find many not having repented of sin. And yet he still had a heart to invest in them and encourage them. He still had a heart to write to them. He still had a heart to go and be with them, to invest in them, to encourage their repentance. It doesn't make any sense to say, oh, you're not going to repent of that sin, so I'm out of here. What makes sense is, oh, you're still struggling with that sin. Uh, let me share some verses with you. Let me share a passage with you that might be a help to you uh, overcoming that sin, particularly if you found something uh, to be helpful to you. What about if the person won't hear me, Pastor? What if they just don't want to hear it? That's fine. Uh, pull away, move away uh, in love and go and pray. Lord, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me the right words. Show me, uh, Lord, prescribe in my heart the words that you would have me to share with that person. Give me an opportunity to go back and lovingly encourage them in a way that would be easy to be entreated, a way that would be easy uh, to receive encouragement and correction. Uh, Paul is, again, like a parent who is affected by the sin of their children. Um, he wanted them to do right because he cared about them. Uh, but when they sinned, or if they continued in sin, it would grieve him uh, as it grieves God. I would encourage you tonight to remember that um, if you are just refusing to repent of some sin that the Lord has revealed to you, uh, it grieves the Holy Spirit, as we've said, but it's also grievous to fellow church members. It affects not only you and your relationship with the Lord, but I promise you, uh, it affects your relationship with fellow church members. When people are aware of sin in your life and, and you just, you cling to it like nothing else, you refuse to let that go, that affects fellow church members. It grieves fellow church members. And if it doesn't, it should. It has an effect. Lord, help us if there's sin in our lives tonight to deal with it. Lord, as you, search our hearts tonight. Uh, search every nook and cranny of my heart tonight, my life. Convict me of sin. Lord, if there's sin in my life tonight, give me a heart to simply confess it, to agree with you, uh, and to ask you for your strength, your grace, to put it off, to put on obedience to you and your word in place of that, uh, and to go forward with the blessing of joy from you uh, at having uh, gotten right with you. Lord, I know that'll please you. You'll bless me for that. I, I know that instead of uh, discouraging fellow church members, that'll be a great encouragement to other people in the church to see me getting right in some area of my life that they knew about or, or, or was obvious to everyone. Lord, help me. Uh, help me to, to please you with my obedience 
uh, and also to be an encouragement uh, to other church members. Pray that for yourself, uh, and please take some time and pray that for each other tonight. We spend a lot of time praying for uh, sicknesses, illnesses, and before this trial in the world is over, we might spend a lot more time uh, doing that. But listen, please don't let your prayer for each other be focused exclusively or nearly exclusively uh, on the illnesses, the, the, the ailments that, that we struggle with. Uh, let your prayer be as much, at least as much, about the spiritual growth of brothers and sisters in, in Christ. This trial that we're in tonight uh, should be an occasion. It is an opportunity for tremendous growth of the individual members of our church and our church corporately. Uh, God clearly desires that. We know that from his word. Uh, pray that. Pray that the Lord would work in our lives and encourage our growth in the midst of this trial and be willing, especially now, to invest in each other. Uh, invest prayer, loving exhortation, words from scripture. Please be willing to invest in each other, especially now, uh, remembering that that'll have practical, uh, a practical effect uh, because God's word has an effect. But even if you can't see that, you're serving the Lord when you do that. He is pleased by that, and you will be rewarded in eternity. Let's stop there, please, and pray. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you tonight, Lord, that we have this amazing, wonderful privilege to serve you by serving others. Lord, it is sometimes hard. Father, we are not always people who find it easy uh, to be loving toward brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when we're being bad to each other. Uh, Father, I pray tonight that you would give us a heart to serve each other no matter what. Uh, Lord, as we prayed uh, in uh, our last service, give us a heart to be patient. Give us power uh, to be patient, uh, to know that if we will just continue to invest godly things into each other's lives, if we'll invest prayer uh, and, and your words into each other's lives, if we'll rein those things into each other's lives, Lord, there will be an effect. Your words do not return void. Father, no doubt this is a time for us to grow as individuals and as a church. Help us, Father, to commit and recommit ourselves to our own growth and to lovingly encouraging the growth of each other. Lord, I pray that we would know your grace, your strength to do just that. Father, I pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that these past two messages have been an encouragement. Uh, please uh, don't lose your notes. Keep them in a notebook. Review them. I want to encourage you over the next several days to pray through your notes. Uh, look at what you wrote down and, and stop and take a time and pray, God, help me to do this. God, help me to take this principle and incorporate this into my life. Uh, you can pray, Lord, if there's some particular thing, some relationship issue or, or someone that needs encouragement. God, God, you show me where you want me to take these principles 
and to apply them. Show me where you want me to take what I've learned in these two messages today and to invest them in someone else's life. I want to encourage you to just yield yourself to the Lord and pray, God, show me where you would have me to invest myself in the coming days and weeks. Pray that. Pray for God's guidance. Uh, no doubt he will guide and he will give the opportunities and the grace to do just that. Keep each other in prayer. Uh, you are in my prayers. Uh, I appreciate your encouragement. I pray for heart and ability to keep on encouraging you as well. Let's stay in touch, please. Zach, you come and lead us in a closing song, uh, and you pray, and we'll be done. Thank you. We'll take our hymnals, and as we turn to number seven, we'll sing Blessed Be the Name. Number seven, we'll sing the first and the last. All praise to him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave his son for man to die that he might man redeem. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the last, his name shall be the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace. Of all earth's kingdoms conqueror, whose reign shall never cease. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. We'll pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to look into your word. Lord, please do help us to apply what we've learned today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.